You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Mavericks for Friday, September 30th in the year 2016. Uh, thank you for listening to Locked On Mavericks, by the way. Gotten some uh, great numbers thus far through the first couple weeks, and we appreciate your uh, your loyalty and listening every day to us because we do this every day, and it seems kind of insane. But, uh, you know, if you're going to listen, we're going to keep on doing it. So there you go. I'm Mike Marshall. Uh, I'll be your uh, one of your hosts today. You can find me on Twitter at Machine Sports. You can listen to my radio program most weekends, Saturdays, 10 to noon on the ticket. Not what this about weekend. this weekend? Uh, Rich Phillips, somehow still screwing me from the grave. So here we are. No, not this weekend. You can tune in at uh, 10 o'clock and hear some SMU football if you'd like. But uh, I'll be on that Cowboys pregame Sunday. Hey, so yo. check 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 that out. Eleven to one. You can just have you just make a day of it. Get up get up early. <laughs> listen to the shake joint at eight. Just plow right through one o'clock pregame, and then listen to the real professional pregame people at one until kickoff, and just make a day of it. And the other end of the phone line uh, right now is Jacob Kemp, your normal host, your normal co-host at Not Jack Kemp. He hosts the Shake Joint. On the ticket Sundays, 8 to 11, and produces Bad Radio, uh, noon to 3, Monday through Friday. He's a, uh, what we call in the industry, a budding star. So, we're really, we're really lucky to have him. Literally nobody doing? calls me that. <laughs> Literally <laughs> I no just, one, but. I just did. I am shirtless. Again, wow. Yep. These Friday episodes are just going to be a thing where they're always shirtless. There you go. <laughs> just know that if you're hearing this on Friday, I am tits out <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent that's what i'm just gonna label it the yeah. friday episodes as yeah. such yeah <laughs> yeah. Deal uh, with it. yeah. <laughs> yeah if you like to uh, like locked on mavericks go ahead and subscribe give us a rating on that itunes or whatever weird people that use androids do um it's the uh, locked on podcast network there's something for everybody there's golf shows there's fantasy basketball there's fantasy football uh, there's NFL. If you're, you have a favorite NFL team, and if you don't, you're a weirdo, uh, go out there and find that. Subscribe to that. It'll be a daily uh, episode for you that you can uh, put in your ears and um, avoid real conversation with people as you walk into work. Pretend like you're listening to it. Um, it's Locked On Podcast Network. It's uh, your team, and it's every single day. And today, we are going to talk about one of the newest Dallas Mavericks, um, he actually didn't come from Golden State. He wasn't a godsend because of Kevin Durant. They did this one all on their own. Yeah, they made a, it's uh, like two degrees of separation. Just let me have this one, damn it. <laughs> they, they, made a, they made a good signing. Because I remember, uh, I think heading into the offseason, I was listening to, um, I listened to Nate Duncan quite a bit, as mm-hmm. well as uh, the Locked On NBA podcast all the time, every day. Uh, but I was listening to Nate Duncan. And they do their kind of like preview um, free agency thing. And they go harder than hell on it. Like they go down to like dudes that 
I don't know. I can't give you 30 seconds on. Yeah. And they start, they start like, negotiating contracts for him. And I remember them doing Seth, Seth Curry. And a lot of the guys, you know, they'll get um, four or five different little hosts to co-host with him. And uh, they'll, you know, be in charge of a couple teams, and they'll be the GMs of the teams. And a couple of dudes were super excited about Seth Curry and his free agency. And I think what they ended up doing on um, – Whenever Seth Curry came around, it was basically like a two-year, $30 million deal with uh, the second year not guaranteed at all to, like, the Sixers to basically start at point guard, um, soak up a lot of minutes, and uh, get that one-year big bang contract. And I was like, wow, Seth Curry's worth worth this amount of money? And then I started looking into the numbers, and I was like, okay, well, if you want to talk yourself into upside, then... Hell yeah. Like whenever he started, um, some third world outpost in the NBA would for sure pay something like that for a one-year stopgap at point guard. But Mavericks didn't have to. Two years, $6 million is the, uh, the damage done. And Seth Curry is a Maverick for, uh, for a couple of years now. Um, not as young as you might think. I thought he was under 25. But he's, uh, he's just 26, um, 26 years old and 37 days. So a little bit older than you might think. And by the way, Steph Curry's probably a little bit older than you think. Um, the, the look is deceiving. But uh, here's a few vitals about Seth Curry before we listen to a, uh, a one-on-one that I got with him first day of practice. Um, and we talk about um, him lighting up that little scrimmage game uh, the other night. Uh, like I said, 27 years or 26 years old, um, undrafted free agent out of Duke, uh, played one year at Liberty right out of uh, high school and tore it up, uh, 20 points a game, 4.4 assists, uh, 35% from three. And then he decided, you know, I'm good enough to transfer to Duke. So he had to sit out basically a, um, his, what would have been his sophomore year. So he's a little bit older. Uh, coming out uh, three years at Duke. Um, let's see, second team All-American at Duke in 2013. Um, and then went undrafted and was floated around the D-League for a little bit. Two-time D-League All-Star, uh, which Satnam Singh will never get to that level. Um, just a note I noticed while looking at his Wikipedia page. And <laughs> is, that, is that you clapping? No, you can hear that. <laughs> yeah, I thought wow. you were clapping. I thought no. you were giving me. I thought you were giving me a standing over no, no, my no, Sotnam Singh Sorry. joke. No, you're. I thought. I thought I was being applauded for my Sotnam Singh joke. No, it was not that good. No, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so Seth uh, bounced around a little bit earlier in his career um, with uh, Memphis, Cleveland, Phoenix, and then last year with Sacramento, where he kind of found some kind of a role. I think he spent a training camp with Golden State. Uh, and he's basically just hung around the Warriors for um, a lot of the season because his brother plays there. So Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut are pretty familiar with him. Um, never played more than two games with one team uh, prior to last year where he really uh, kind of found his groove with the Kings, and specifically in the latter half of the season when he started nine games. Um, so there you go. There's some information on Seth Curry, uh, some vitals. We'll chop up some of the numbers and uh, – Maybe run through a little bit of this uh, Rob Mahoney article he wrote about a month ago about Seth Curry and uh, Dallas courting him in free agency. 
But first, let's hear from the man himself. Here's about three minutes of uh, me fumbling through questions and asking really uh, long-winded and stupid questions to Seth Curry, and he's kind enough to answer. Watching the games you started in the season last year, everyone around here, I don't know if everyone around here, but people that have some kind of interest in free agency were like, hey, let's look at that Seth Curry. Like, he's playing well whenever he starts. I thought you could have got a bigger deal. I thought you might have been a starter somewhere. But you chose Dallas. Why Dallas? Uh, I mean, I was, first of all, I knew they wanted me. Uh, they showed as soon as I became an unrestricted free agent, they showed they were quick on uh, the draw. They showed they wanted me a lot. Uh, I mean, obviously, I could have waited and, like I said, got a bigger deal or something like that. But uh, I just wanted to go to a, the best situation possible. Obviously, um, money's important. I mean, I got a, not a decent deal, but. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to go to the best fit for me so I could set myself up future for growth uh, in my personal game and, uh, and just get better and, and have, a, have, a, have a better role. Um, I know Andrew yesterday talked about choosing Dallas, and he said, you know, he heard from a bunch of dudes like Richard Jefferson, a bunch of his friends, like how yeah. they treat players here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're committed to winning. Yeah. You know, Dirk's here, that kind of stuff. What was, like, the number, you know, top one or two things that, uh, you know, made you choose here? Was it just, like, commitment to winning? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. First of all, like, like I said, the system, not, uh, the best fit for my game and the way they play here and the way Coach Carlisle coaches is, I feel like it can be good for me. Uh, second of all, the organization is, like I said, first class. I mean, I could tell from from day one just the, the difference in organizations that I was last year and here, the way they run things. I mean, not to talk negatively about Sacramento, but uh, I mean, Dallas is, is top-notch in, in the league. So, uh, like I said, they take care of their players and they're about winning at, at all costs. So, that's a fun environment to be around. Um, Harrison said yesterday he knows you pretty well, just from the Warriors' time. Um, I'm guessing you know him and Bogut pretty well. Yeah. Have you played with them very much at all? I haven't really played with them, uh, but I mean, I've been around them for however many years they played with Steph. So, uh, I mean, Bogut and, and Harris probably like four or five years or whatever the case may be. I played against uh, HB in college a lot. So, I, I mean, I know him pretty well. And it's going to be fun to play with him. Have you asked your brother about, uh, you know, where they like the ball, where to set them off, that kind of stuff? I watch every game, so I know uh, <laughs> I know that game's probably as much as anybody, so I know I know the way Bogut likes to pass and, and his game, I know HB, so uh, I don't need to watch any film on him or anything. <laughs> um, so with Parsons off this roster and Ray Felton off this roster, there's a lot of opportunities for a secondary ball handler, you know, whether it be second unit or playing two point guards at the same time. Yeah. You know, guys that start looking at the depth chart, they pinpoint you uh, for a lot of those possessions. Are you more comfortable on ball or off ball, or does it matter to you? I'm very, I feel like I'm versatile. I take pride in being able to play the point guard, make plays with the ball, and stretch the floor, play off the ball, play, play with another point guard. So, uh, like I said, that's just one thing Coach has been talking to me about, not uh, not being comfortable and just playing one position, playing both, and uh, trying to be versatile and expanding my game even more than I did last year. Uh, when you look at the second unit, Maria, you, J.A., Dwight Powell, Salah, dude, y'all can go. Like, yeah. the first unit might have some pacing, you know, yeah. slow it down a little bit, but that second unit looks like it can go. Does that excite you? Yeah, for sure. We should be able to uh, excite the crowd a little bit, change the game when we come in and uh, make, it, make it a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a completely different look when we come in the game and stuff like that. So uh, we got a lot of young guys who've got a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, and have a lot to prove. So uh, hopefully we can change the game and, and uh, the crowd loves us. All right, so there is uh, Operation Real Friends 2.0 for, oh the, my God. for the for the 2016 season. What are you doing? You're not making any headway with anybody. <laughs> 
You're not doing nothing. Yeah, I get, I'm getting the runaround from Tyler Sagan. I might have done a <laughs> for, like, Cody Eakin. <laughs> okay. Next level, just take it one step down. Yeah. We're already Jeff, on tier two. Jeff Heath. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Heath. Uh, yeah, Witten's old to you now. Like, you don't even want to hang out anymore. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, does anything uh, interest you from his answers that he, uh, that he politely uh, gave to me as I fumbled through questions? I'm going to start with the balls it takes to tell a guy, hey, I think you should be making a lot more money. <laughs> yeah. Fire your agent. I'll be your agent. What's up, bro? Yeah, you know, I was thinking you were going to make, like, I don't know, 15 mil a year. And here you are with three. <laughs> That's like 20%. No. Uh, he answered that question coolly you know he wasn't yeah you know some guys might be kind of bowed up about that um three million dollars is still a lot of money and it's not like he's him and his family are not hurting for cash but um you know it's a recurring theme and vibe is these comments about the organization the organization the organization and obviously he was initially restricted and it's sort of i think he like pressed sacramento to let him out of that mm-hmm. um and it's not like you know, it's not, I wouldn't write home about being called a better organization than Sacramento, but it is interesting to hear a player who just came from there and who says on day one that they got here that they could tell things were totally different. And a couple of years ago, like most people who were, you know, intrigued by New Hoops ideas, I was interested at minimum in what Vivek Radadive had in Sacramento. You know, it's sort of in the it's in the heart of tech and you kind of think that oh we've got this tech billionaire he's going to look at things in a different way there's a chapter about him in Malcolm Gladwell's book and they have just been absolute trash and not even just trash on the floor trash off the floor you hire Vladi Divots as your GM despite the fact I think he'd been living uh you know overseas for a few years I I would bet that when they hired him he couldn't have named you know, half of each NBA all-star team for you that year. <laughs> and now this guy's a GM. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff gets pinned on Boogie because Boogie is, you know, doesn't really handle the public side of it all that well. But there's no reason that if you fall into a superstar like Boogie and you're in a mid-sized market that you shouldn't have been better than you are right now. And it's not Boogie's fault. It's, it's their basketball ops people's fault. It's Vivek's fault. And... I think they're probably going to regret letting Curry go. I don't know how much of an option they have because I don't think he wanted to play there. Because imagine not only having your brother be, you know, this world-class superstar and you're a guy who's trying to bounce around or trying to get away from bouncing around the D-League. You're talking about one of the three to five best cultures in the NBA and then one of the worst in Golden State and Sacramento. And they're right there. They're, what, an hour and a half apart or something. Yet... You've got just it, night and day. So the fact that he, you know, kind of caught himself on, I'm not trying to criticize another organization, but you definitely are criticizing another organization. And we, like, we've, there's been a recurring theme that just be, they don't sign Whiteside. They, Conley doesn't want to come here. Uh, Dwight didn't want to come here, et cetera, et cetera. But that, that sort of deludes the point that, they really are sort of thought of as a, a top-shelf, world-class organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess the real problem in the Maverick strategy is they're probably what um, thought of as like a top-eight team in the league. But not a top-four. Yeah, exactly. But there are only, what, five franchise-changing stars. Yep. 
you know, and we had ours. We had ours for a decade, and we're always the we're the best. <laughs> um, what what did I used to always say? We're the uh, we're the uh, best, like small, not small market, but uh, the best of the second tier teams. Yeah, like we're right there. We're sitting top shelf whenever somebody has a free agency meeting. Um, we're not top five, but we'll be sitting there waiting at six, seven, or eight, or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's what they've done um, in building this culture and, um, you know, commitment to winning. I don't know if it's if – if they should get credit for it because uh, – I mean, of course you get credit for winning. But over the last couple years, um, I don't know if they should get as much credit as, as people want to give their way because what else are you going to do when Dirk's on your roster? You know what I mean? Like, you're going to try and win for that guy. So it's almost as if it, there's never a question to be had of, oh, do we tank? Is this the year we uh, we get back into the draft? And y- you can't really teach <laughs> a very old uh, and successful dog new tricks necessarily and say, hey, how about you all start scouting the draft seriously? Yeah. And, and, give, me a, and give me a book on, um, you know, <laughs> the top 45 players you want to take. Um, but – Nevertheless, it helps land dudes like Seth Curry, the culture, uh, and being there day one, which is, you know, what he said. They've showed the most interest, the earliest interest, and to their credit, they've really found roles for guys like him, um, backup guards that some other team has pushed aside. I mean, just look at J.J. Barea. Just look at uh, Deshaun Stevenson. You know, you can go down the list. Jason Terry, before he came here, um, was basically an afterthought, just a just a scorer that couldn't uh, – that was super inefficient. No position. Um, yeah, no position, can't defend anybody. So I feel like they find dudes like this and they make them work for them um, in at least a season or two. Uh, something interesting from that Rob Mahoney article, I'll, uh, I'll just read this part. Um, He says, Curry noted that in his free agent meeting with the Mavs, Rick Carlisle walked him through the kinds of shots he can expect, as well as some of the new wrinkles being built into the offense. Particular flare sets, varying angles on ball screens that could work specifically to Curry's advantage. Signing with the team sent Curry down a synergy rabbit hole where he dialed up possession after possession of Mavericks offense with an eye trained to the guard play. And he says, I've always admired Rick Carlisle's offensive system. So that's really encouraging to me. I don't know. I don't know how many dudes do that, <laughs> you know, quite honestly. I bet they watch a little bit of tape, but he seems like a dude that um, is going to have no problem uh, adapting to whatever Rick throws at him. I mean, I bet his brother does it, and I yeah. know, like, Chris Paul does it. Sure. Um, but I mean, like, low, lower-tier players that yeah. are just kind of kicking around the league. Yeah, it's pretty – it's pretty uh, rare, I would I would bet. Uh, so, on that same front, he quoted one of the things that he likes about the idea of playing for Carlisle is that Carlisle told him, and I guess this kind, kind of came in the same uh, answer about playing on or off the ball or playing the one or the two and who he's going to play with as, he told me to not be comfortable, like to not get used to being comfortable. Like, I feel like that's okay. the Carlisle special, is to just tell you, oh, like, yeah. look, 
you're not going to ever know what's coming. <laughs> right. You're going uh, to be tired of me doing this to you, but I'm going to warn you that I'm going to do this to yeah, you. Yeah, you might not play for a week, and then you might play 25 minutes a night for the next four games. Mm-hmm. And all four of those games, they, you might be doing something different. Um, you know, I think at times we probably feel like he could be a little bit easier to work with. Um, sure. But he does seem to get the most out of most of these sort of guys. Uh, mm-hmm. your non-starter type. So I find it interesting, the type of player that would uh, take the, uh, you know, the phrase don't be comfortable as a positive, but he obviously did. And that's where you get into whether he's playing on or off the ball. I know in the scrimmage the other night, he was mostly just kind of a an off-ball, catch-and-shoot type guy, and he freaking lit it up uh, yeah. in a pretty short amount of time. Scored what fifteen of their twenty-one points yeah. in a in a in a twenty-minute period, uh, yeah, four of nine from the field, two assists uh, in the scrimmage the other night, which was brought to you by Bed Gear. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, <laughs> every single person that works for the Mavericks is just gonna whip your ass with Bed Gear stuff this year. That's and if they want to sponsor us, if they want to sponsor us, we can be brought to you by Bed Gear there's, as well. There is no doubt. We can be brought I don't even to you know by literally anything you want. <laughs> by chairs, chairs.com. I don't yeah. care. Uh, Steel, <laughs> water. I mean, yeah. Seth Curry pushes water, yeah. or Steph Curry push, sells water. So we we'll brought to you by H two O. I'm fine with that. I don't care. <laughs> so I think because he can handle the ball and because he can shoot, unlike perhaps JJ at times, but more so unlike. Mm. Uh, Devin, I think his role will just kind of sort itself out because if you can do both those things, if you can pass and you can handle the ball a little bit, now his size is always going to be a limitation, but yeah. I think he's He's able... pretty small, dude. I don't even know if he's 6'2", yeah. standing in front of him. I oh, think he's 6'1". Yeah, I would, I'd be surprised if, if he was 6'2", but he, uh, he does have the ability to sort of stop and start and sort of switch speeds as he's probing. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can do that, pass and shoot uh, the three, then it really doesn't matter. You know, I think if if there's minutes there, you'll figure out a way for there to be minutes. Uh, yeah, and so you'll figure I out guess, a way to get those minutes, I guess is what I mean. Yeah, and to Carlisle's credit and the coaching staff's credit, like it might take them a month. It might take them two months with Al Farouk Aminu, but they're going to figure out what you do well, and they're going to find a way to use you. And, I mean, he might be stubborn at the beginning of the season, um, like he has with a couple young players that have come through here. I mean, Brandon Wright, uh, Alfred Camino, um, dudes of that, of that level. I mean, Shane Larkin, you can get on the list of dudes that he handcuffed for a little bit. But once he fully trusts you and figures out, starts marking off boxes that you can actually um, succeed in, like he's going to let you do it. And Rob Mahoney uh, gets around to comparing St- uh, Seth Curry to uh, C.J. McCollum. Um, and he, and he, you know, he doesn't just flat out say he's going to be C.J. McCollum. He says, you know, a C.J. McCollum-ish success. Tweener. That it, yeah, that interests me a lot because I really, really love C.J. McCollum. Like, if that dude wasn't restricted, I would give him whatever money um, you could possibly throw at him. So that, that, that piqued my interest. Um, but I guess let's look at some of uh, some of his numbers and the reason, like, if you're just now listening, you didn't listen, uh, I guess, first week to our position previews of uh, shooting guard, then you don't know why we're so excited about this dude. Um, number one, just having a young player in the Mavs roster that has some kind of upside is uh, kind of rare. Uh, having someone on a good deal is kind of rare. 
Um, and having a guard that consistently shoot the three is pretty rare on this Mavericks roster uh, nowadays because Devin would go weeks without making a three. Uh, J.J. Barea, like if he's hot, like he's one of the better three-point shooters in the league, but that, that lasts for a week out of a month. So I'm very encouraged by uh, the potential of Seth Curry and the, and the role that he could have because I think if you look down – Whenever you're actually rolling out lineups, and that's what Rick's going to be doing. He's going to be cobbling together lineups, guys that, uh, you know, this guy gives me plus rebound, plus offensive rebounding, but he's, you know, can't guard the low paint, that kind of stuff. Seth Curry has a lot of boxes that he can check off uh, and he can succeed at. Obviously, ball handler, I don't know if you want him being your start, starting point guard. That might be um, a little bit of a trick, but ball handler, off ball, catch and shoot. He is excellent at yeah. catch-and-shoot threes. Um, I'm trying to find that number here for you. Just a second. Here we go. Um, so zero dribbles from three, which is catch-and-shoot. Uh, he would take two a game last season and would hit 50% of them. Jeez. That's freaking, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And I think one other thing that might help him is the fact that he – the way that the Mavericks stagger their minutes, he won't always be playing with, like, a team of backups. Like, he'll probably actually play with Dirk quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I think Because of the way Dirk comes out and then, you know, J.J. Mm-hmm. goes in and then maybe three minutes later he goes in for uh, for Wes and Dirk comes back. However they end up doing it, he's going to end up playing with, you know, veteran players quite a bit. Yeah. I think the more he does, the less time with uh, Barnes – um, and the less time with, um, like, Justin Anderson. Yeah. I think it will get the most out of Curry. And I don't even know, like, if if you think about it that way, like, it might be more comfortable for me to have Beret on the court with Barnes or with Anderson and then have Curry on the court with the veteran group. Yeah. Uh, and able to stretch. Like, I don't know if that's, gonna, if that's how it is going to work out because we've talked um, – repeatedly about the potential of that second unit being really stinking fast. And uh, he's excited about that too. Um, in the comments you heard earlier, like he's, he's ready to run with that second unit. Um, one other thing that I found um, from his numbers, obviously the games that he started last year were at the end of the season were what got us all pretty interested. Sure. Um, nine games started 30 minutes played, uh, the defensive rating could be better. I'm not going to lie to you. But uh, let me see if I got the totals. People like that more. 14 points, uh, four assists, three rebounds, uh, 1.8 turnovers, almost a steal a game. Those are really good numbers for playing 30 minutes a game. And the fact that he was knocking down 47% from three, I just think there's a lot of upside and a lot of flexibility with him. And he's going to be a fan favorite um, for splashing threes. And people are going to want to like him anyway because his last name's Curry. But um, I think he's a really good get, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that they got him at that stage of the game. And uh, I guess there's a small chance that all this hype might seem silly in the future and we'll be looking back and saying, but it was just a month period that you were trying to extrapolate out. But – if you were looking for a decent start in camp and in the scrimmage, I mean, he gave it to us. So, to me, 
I think the dude ends up being uh, one of their top eight, and I think he ends up being a guy who in two years uh, is probably a team's first backup guard. Yeah. Yeah, it might be here. <laughs> he might be the he might be the first backup guard here. Um if, you know, whatever that Mavericks roster looks like in 2 years. So, yeah, I think we um got our feelings about our new friend Seth Curry out there. Um I don't I don't I don't know what else to say about him until he's played some games and we see what his uh usage is and lineups and things like that. Um however they want to use him with that second unit, I'm r- almost giddy about because they're going to be fast. Uh, he can knock down catch and shoots. Um, and he's not awful in the paint. Like he's a very well-rounded game. He doesn't do anything, uh, spectacular outside of, uh, knocking down open threes. But yeah, I'm really excited to see how they use Seth Curry. Well, I'm really excited. You got to talk to him. Yeah. By next time we'll exchange phone numbers. Give give me the over. Shut up. Why do you always doubt me? <laughs> All you do is doubt me. You just sit up in your sit up in your elevated chair shirtless. And you then you and you doubt me shirtless on your patio. Yeah. <laughs> Such a jerk. And pop my knuckles right. is at to your salah measure jokes. <laughs> your side of zing jokes. <laughs> All right, man. Well uh we'll see you uh Monday. Feel free to subscribe, give us a review, um, send us whatever. Send us money, I don't care. Um, we're fine with that. Thanks for listening to Locked On Mavericks. We'll see you Monday, Jake. Thank you for your time. Good times. We'll see you. Bye.